It's basically where D&D and storytelling make out on your couch. Yes. <laughs> so that was pretty great. Yes. We very, just, very interesting guests tonight. really cool guests. Really, really, <laughs> very handsome. They were very handsome. Debonair. Bearded yeah. men. So uh, <laughs> we're your hosts to Bard Quest Empire. I'm Phaedra Alcasey. And I'm Eric Jensen. And we discuss role-playing uh, games, tabletop role-playing games, and D&D, and storytelling, and uh, today, our guests were uh, Eric Jensen and, and Phaedra Alcasey. So we hope you enjoy this deep dive into um, who we are, what we do, our and, stuff, and why we do and it. And why we're doing it. Yeah. And uh, this will probably be the first episode. So um, welcome and join us on this ride that we're going on, which is uh, storytelling and Dungeons and Dragons and all things in between. Thanks for coming to Bard Bard Quest, Quest Empire. Empire. Um, let me. Hey. I'm gonna grab a drink of water here to start. He's he's uh, this is starting a, with, with some live foley. Glug glug glug. <clears throat> potion potion glug. potion plus one. Potion of healing. Potion oh, of. God, we sound like we, we are sound such, like dorks. such dorks. Hey guys, <laughs> so this is what you've tuned into, and uh, I'm Phaedra Al Casey, and uh, I'm Eric Jensen. We're both storytellers and actors and writers and creators, in this biz that we call show. Um, but what what are we doing here? We we're doing a podcast. Why, well, why we're doing, we doing a Dungeons and Dragons podcast because um, you know, in part because you and I both know, uh, I think a lot of people who uh, play Dungeons and Dragons that are also in the film, TV, uh, and theater industries, and artists of all different sorts, musicians. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There's just a bunch of people that we kind of have come into contact with in our combined fifty plus years of making art and Correct. stuff. And that, we're hoping more will come out of the proverbial nerd closet yes join exactly. us to talk about it and it's really nice to be here with you Fager. it is lovely to be here with you to this let, let's tell our lovely listeners what we're doing and what we're about here in our little intro we are two actors creators creatives we also play a bunch a shit ton of D, <laughs> and uh we like to talk about it because we're big old nerds so we thought what's why don't we you know make this available for your consuming pleasure you <laughs> capitalist dogs <laughs> when you said oh god when you said shit ton of D, I get embarrassed like an 11 year old because I've literally because been playing still, since I was 11 right and yeah, there's still, still like that weird like nerd in in the closet in the inner closet of your soul I'm telling you all freaks and geeks let let it fly it's what well, this is now is the moment to to own your D weirdness you, you know Matt Mercer is a Sort of household name. Okay, he's not, but you know, I, most nerds know who he is. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you know, it's uh, the the resurgence of the game has like been so great. You know. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if you're listening to this from the future, uh, from or from an alien species or something, but the year 2020 was marked by a pandemic, and I don't know if that has had a lot to do with why its popularity kind of exploded in this year. I mean, Would you say I'm, before that or I mean, in there's this a, year? There's a graduate student writing that study right now. Yeah, you I know, bet. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I just, you know, I think that it's a it's a way for, you know, the community that we were missing um, and that sense of um, collaboration was, it, we had such limited pools of people we could collaborate with uh, right. in community that I think Dungeons and Dragons really brought that it out. filled a vacuum or it yeah. filled a, a, a space that was needed with a lot of these people, these industries being shuttered. I think this is an opportunity for people to be creative in a way that, you know, they maybe hadn't been able to. Well, speaking, so, of, speaking of creative, though, yeah. I want to introduce you because um, because you are amazing. And you're, oh, I've called you my best friend. Can you see us and blushing we, we, on the radio? We, 
<laughs> We've basically agreed that that's probably what's going on here. So uh, I want to introduce Fajrell Casey. He is uh, an incredible actor. Uh, that's how I met him. And just to give you his info, he is a Shazan on Jellystone, the voice of Shazan. Um, he has narrated over 100 audiobooks. He stopped counting. I did. Um, also, he's a voice on Magic the Gathering, Duels of the Planeswalkers. Um, you've Played also seen him. I'm not done. I'm bragging oh, about you. Let sorry. me brag about my friend or people won't think I'm cool. Sorry. He's also done The Report with Adam Driver, and he was in Seth Rogen's Future Man. Uh, wow. Yes, it's funny uh, about those because in the report I played Ali Sufan, who was one of the guys that was uh, responsible for capturing Osama bin Laden, and in Future Man I played time traveling Osama bin Laden. <laughs> so you know that shows you the range that I can occupy. <laughs> Phaedra's Why like, <laughs> like literally he's like Lon Chaney uh, for the really really old people out there. You know who I'm talking about. Um, he's like the man of a million voices. Phaedra does uh, he he actually you know and storytelling is a kind of like magical thing. You know you 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 tell stories with your voice and and you move people. And what's more more wizardy than that? Wizardy. No. Is there a is there a yeah, voice wizard class in the bard. Dungeons and Dragons? Isn't that funny? Bard, bard bard quest bard quest. A that's bard what, quest empire. Well, one might even here, say that's what we're here to talk Isn't about. That, it's funny that that's that's the title of our show because that's how do we how do you? It's basically where D and D and storytelling make out on your couch. Yes, uh, and <laughs> uh, you know we're not responsible for what happens after. It's just casual. You know, maybe playing. Maybe they call each other later. But we, we hope we hope it goes well. Uh, yeah, now that you've given me that glowing intro, I have to introduce you now. Okay, all right. This, this is my good friend, best friend, Eric Jensen, and. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but he's also an accomplished uh, playwright and screenwriter and director, and he uh, got to start uh, with the world famous uh, as a co-writer of the world famous Exonerated. Uh, he's also done a bunch of documentary theater plays, including Aftermath, uh, most recently Cold Country at the Public, uh, How to Be a Rock Critic, the biography of Lester Bangs. He's been on Mr. Robot, Walking Dead. Most recently, you may have seen him on a show called For Life. Um, And yeah, you're a badass, dude. He's got an IMDb credit list longer than my arm. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's uh, the website where all where they where all the actors we're, list we're their ranked. list their <laughs> list their credits and are and are mercilessly numbered and ranked. ranked. I think my rank is like two hundred fifty thousand of a million. So it's I don't know. Just, that's pretty good. It's just I don't even like I can't. It's so dis- it's I so use IMDb all the yeah. time in my business, but I can't even like look at that. I aspect really. Of it I was anymore. so good at it earlier on in my career. I was like, I booked a voice on this thing. I'm gonna put my credit up. And now it's just depressing. But dude, I can't it's do like it. got. Well, it's not. It's not that it's depressing. It's that you're so busy. I mean, like the the, the thing about Dungeons and Dragons and and storytelling uh, laps overlaps for us. The Venn diagram is huge. Yeah. Uh, for both Phaedra and I. I, I was curious, Phaedra, if maybe you could let people know what your uh, Dungeons and Dragons origin story is. Like, what I know what you do. You're an actor and a and a uh-huh. writer and a creator. Um, like, what do you? What? But tell me about your Dungeons and Dragons origin story. Well, you know, I think like most writers and actors and creatives, we're kind of of a breed of particular weirdos or really, you know, societal island of misfit toys kind of thing. We're we're all of, we're all kind of a little bit off. That's what makes us interesting enough to be artists. I think I'm, I hate to generalize. It's my perception of it, but uh, so you know, I found that overlap early of like people that I thought were interesting that happened to be artists and that also happened to 
do this thing, which, you know, was tabletop role playing. I should also say I'm, I'm an immigrant kid. Uh, that's part of my bio. I'm born in Baghdad, Iraq, and I immigrated to Canada when I was uh, eight or nine. Um, and uh, so I'll, I came to all of this late because I was, you know, busy learning English and French and, you know, uh, Canada. All that stuff. So learning Canada, <laughs> learning Canada. How does one learn Canada? Uh, it's curious. all about saying sorry, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and when you say sorry, eh? see that's why and I feel so French close Canadian, to you. I'm Minnesota. You don't say sorry. This is why we feel. This is why we're close. Because yeah. eh, eh, oh, oh, oh no, eh. no, eh, no, don't, no, don't, don't start, do that. Eh. No, 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 don't oh, do God. it. Oh. What are we talking about here? <laughs> so uh, when you're playing D and D in the Great White North, eh, it's all ice, wind, dale everywhere. It's you know? cold. It's cold. There's nothing else to do. But yeah, like so that's that's kind of how I got to my my interest in the outcast or in in sort of the weird and the the sort of in in being a little bit off to the sides myself. I found myself gravitating towards these kids that that were also into this thing that's tabletop role playing. I actually maybe got into D and D later. I started with like what whatever was popular at the time, which was uh, a lot of White Wolf when I was up, up there in Montreal. I know nothing about White Wolf. White, what Wolf, is White Wolf is a company that produced a lot of games like Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, uh, Mage the Awakening back when I was a kid. And the, it was all these like, you know, what if the monsters that go bump in the night were real and what if you could play them was the premise, right? <laughs> and so we had a lot of those games were popular at the time. So we, I think that was my first introduction. And then for whatever reason, the crowds that I was playing with was really into live action role-playing games. So you'd be at a goth club dressed up like a vampire with prosthetic teeth. And <laughs> instead of dice rolls, we'd be doing these things with like, you know, rock, paper, scissors, go. <laughs> and that would determine who won an encounter. It was so ridiculous. Dude, and that's like, awesome. That's what I did as a teenager. And my parents were worried that I was like, you know, doing heroin. Guys, I was just playing Dungeons and Dragons or basically <laughs> right. LARPing, I guess. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get in deep with them at all. I, but I observed the uh, Society for Creative Anachronism, you know, the combat yeah. folks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a that was, was a that whole a, that was a live for you? that was alive at Carnegie Mellon University, and I I I you know now I wish I had like attended a couple like because it would have been so uh, brave, but I wasn't I wasn't so brave back then. You would have been an excellent leather worker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so that's kind of how I got into to role playing games in general, and how I got into D and D. I kind of came to it much late, like it was maybe the second game I played. We played something off of the second edition, I think, and. It Which, was all, do you remember the module? I, was it Isle of Dread? No, no I think it was Greyhawk. I think I'm it was so the Legend of Greyhawk you. or <laughs> maybe some Ravenloft. It wasn't Ravenloft. I think that came later. But, uh, you know, I I was new to the fantasy genre. I think actually D&D was my introduction, you know, where most people are introduced to Tolkien and then go to D&D. I think I was introduced to D&D and then was like, oh, what's this about? And then read some literature about it and then got to Tolkien and was like, oh, this is... A thing. Yeah, Phaedra is one of... Phaedra and I actually realized only really recently that we have a lot of crossover in terms of writers that we like, the the Salvatore books. The, the, yeah, a lot and of like the, that, that we were consuming that same content when we were in this, in this phase of, uh, you know, coming of age. And, yeah. you know, I think it's also... Both of us are interested in, like, the Joseph Campbell stuff and the hero's journey. And I think that is one of the things that is, like, you know, a lab for that in D&D. It's like before we even had the words for that stuff, we were kind of playing with the building blocks of that in, in terms of figuring out what, what heroes or what a character. Well, we're all on our does. own hero's journey, and we all have flaws, and we have 
you know, ways of, of, of being in the world. And, you know, you know, for, for me anyway, D and D provided a way to, to, uh, sort of put that in a understandable form. Did I miss anything from uh, your origin story? My first D and D game, I don't know if I remember it that well, cause it was all so new, but I did like, I, I was drawn to the idea of creating characters and, uh, so I think the first house we played at was a friend of a friend. Who, my friend was Dominic LaForge, and hopefully we'll have him on at some point. But And his friend Billy was running a game. Billy Zavos, I think. Greek guy. I don't remember what I was playing. I think it was a wizard. I think I was talking about this at some point with you. I think I played a character that I was like looking around and like I saw the D&D player's handbook and I like saw Gary Gygax's name and I was like, Gary the Gygax. That's my character's <laughs> name. It was like the most basic kind of. And then I but sort of was, fleshed what, what, what it out. It, it was, I, I was like, I'm going to play a magic user because that's interesting to me. But I was like, okay, let me, how do I spice this up? And I made him a 16-year-old who had miscast a haste spell. So he was in an 85-year-old body. Like, oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I didn't know if that even came up because we maybe even played like one or two sessions and then never touched those characters again. But, you know, that gave me enough of an interest that then my buddy and I, where he started another campaign that he homebrewed, and I sort of play tested it with him and a couple other friends. We played that for two or three years, really got attached to the characters. Never finished it, by the way. <laughs> campaign left us hanging. Not bitter. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and that was uh, that was it. I was hooked after that. I mean, when you're when you've done a commitment, when you are sort of invested in this imaginary character, I think that's that's when the thing has you right like you've 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 uh you've been you've been taken by the mistress that is story <laughs> or mister is it a mister when it's a uh, how did you get what was your D origin story how well, did you come to the game well i i grew up in uh in northern minnesota um and uh we grew up rough as they say um, and, uh, and, you know, I was really looking for an outlet and we, uh, right around the same time that I started doing <laughs> community theater with my parents, um, there was this teacher who wandered into our school and, Hang on, um, can you give me that again? I'm sorry, what? Uh, just, just what you, what you just said. Oh, what did I just say? What, right around the time you did community theater. With uh, your right, <laughs> right around the time I did started doing community theater. <laughs> Carry on <laughs> with my parents. Um, <laughs> uh, I ended up. I ended up. Um, in spite of all that, I was having a hard time in my life, and also was was really um, was really interested in reading. And I like kind of dive, dove into books, and and was pr pretty much kept to myself. And then one day this teacher came in from a, a, a company called Futura. And um, she was, uh, we, for an hour a day, me and three or four other kids uh, would go to this, this room and, and uh, do like... Were you guys like advanced or were you I, guys the trope, like, a, you know, I, higher, higher energy and they were like trying well, to find something to do with you I guys? mean, like all of us had our Not own... Not All of us had you. our own issues, but <laughs> it was a sort of a... I, I don't know how to say this without sounding self-aggrandizing. I'm from Minnesota, so you know, it was a gifted and talented program. Oh, so you were in the gifted and talented program, eh? 
<laughs> I feel bad just talking about it. You doing that accent? Oh my god! Oh, he's in AP now. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I know. So, so anyway, oh, like, you know, and we're hoping <laughs> this teacher. This teacher, I think her name was Linda. She. she oh, hey, you know, mom? Linda mom? over over at the AP placement mom. program. Mom. Um, uh, anyway, this woman, this woman Linda, came in and she was just remarkable. She was really smart. And she was really cool, and she didn't talk like down to us the way most adults do. She met us at our level, and one day she brought in this game, and we did these like puzzles and stuff like that. And one day she brought in this game, and and I believe now this might be just me gilding the lily, but I believe it was the original Red Box Keep of the Borderlands Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons games, second edition, or first, was that first? Very, I think that's first edition, Ooh. and and um, and there were orange dice. And there were these kids, me, Mike, and Richie, and she led us through an adventure, and it changed my life. Wait, wait, are you telling me your first DM was a lady? <laughs> she was, she was, that's, and she was a really cool that's, teacher. That's called imprinting, my friend. Yeah, well, I mean, I just, well, I mean, <laughs> my wife would make a great dungeon master. Yes, she would, I would agree with uh, that. Uh, you know, we played like 10 games or something like that, and then after, a mi- but one day she came in and said, no, do you boys think that this game is like, you know, all this talk of devils and stuff, like there's any like kind of like, you know, uh, Satan thing going on here? And we were like, no. And I mean, like this thing, this game had just opened us up and we were talking mm-hmm. to each other and looking each other in the eye. Were you not doing that collaborating? before? collaborating? No. Right. None of that. And so like she Are really... Are you, you friends with these kids after? Or did you become friends with them after? After we became friends. And when, when the, the, the sort of... I buried the lead a little bit because like mysteriously the Dungeons and Dragons game stopped happening and we moved on to other things. And so like this was around, for context, this was around the Satanic Panic, correct? Yeah. And if you guys don't know, if you guys are listening and you don't know, the Satanic Panic was a movement that happened in the 80s where after Dungeons and Dragons had been out for a while, a bunch of mothers got involved and started saying this is, you know... Uh, corrupting our youth and demon making our and children like yeah. demon worshipers and all that did was drive a generation of children away from their suburban yeah. parents there was but, a you know there was a you know. there was a movie <laughs> called there was a movie i believe it's called mazes and monsters with with tom hanks in it that was actually that actually came out right around that same time oh and didn't he play a guy that like obs- you know got obsessed and like and like yeah and kind of and kind of had like problems mm-hmm. after that. And well, so thanks a lot, Tom Hanks. No, Guess who's not no, dude, coming on the show? Dude, 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 I don't want to piss off Tom Hanks. Please. You don't know. Please. He's got this Mr. Nice Guy act. No. I dude, see you, Hanks. Dude. Like, I don't want to. America's wanna... sweetheart. Canada's maybe, asshole is maybe, challenging no, you. No. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I mean, like, maybe that should be our goal. Maybe by Challenged episode Tom 100. Hanks? No, we should try to get. We should, try to DM Tom Hanks. we should try to DM a mini adventure with Tom Hanks. <laughs> maybe that's our holy grail. Maybe if we hit 100 episodes and we get popular enough, like maybe we could, like, how would you feel about I, As long as there's a fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> Put up your dukes, Tom. <laughs> okay. It's terrible. Um, anyway, so, so, you know, anyway, so me and these kids played this game together. And, and like, I all of a sudden realized in the short, the short version of the story, I realized that I could I could world build. Yeah. And the second I realized that my whole life changed because I immediately dove into creative pursuits and that's that's why you just I've, gave I'm, you agency. That's why I'm so busy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's it's nice to be it's nice to know that it's nice to know that the skills I learned and that's in part why we're doing this show, the skills I learned as a storyteller 
uh, that applied to Dungeons and Dragons now also applied apply to other creative pursuits. Well, it's interesting that you said that you did it while you were discovering community theater also. <laughs> I have to. I'm sorry. Uh, I was good in the music, I, man. Sure, yeah. Shapoopies. I did it. Yes, I, oh, my God. World. I know we can't yeah. sing the song, but I so badly want to sing the song right now. I don't even know if we can say right the word. We can say Shapoopy. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds dirty every time I hear it. Shapoopy? Shapoopy. When you say it like we really did, low, we did Oklahoma. Sorry, we did. Children. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, uh, my, my point is, it's interesting that you came to it at the same time. Do you feel like you got bitten by the storytelling bug or the D and D bug first, or both at the same time, I or mean, which? Are they? Uh, I mean, insep- like separable or inseparable to you, or what? I mean, it, I, I, I think it maybe is just a coincidence, or maybe you know, like I have a daughter now. She's she's uh, she's in that same. She's about the same age I was as when I played D and D, and she. Like it might have been a, just the curiosity switch switching on when you turn eleven. You know, I don't know if it was those two things like in fate, or if mm-hmm. it was just you know a developmental thing. But it happened both at the same time, and I'm really grateful that it did. You know, that's super cool. Yeah, I think for me, not to for, you know to take it back to our no, let's take origin it back to stories. You. Yeah. Uh, I came to acting also super late, and it was like also maybe this was one of the first tastes of what what that muscle even is. Well, let me ask you a question about acting, which is yeah. helpful, I think, to um, uh, uh, people who are the, on the role-playing end of playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, or and even to game masters. How do you prepare a character? Like when you when you for a show or a play or something, well, or for a I mean, D and D game. Well, you do a lot of. Well, you're you're kind of like you know the man of a thousand voices. You do a lot of a lot of different characters and a lot of different audiobooks, and you have to become different characters when you do that. How do you prep becoming a character? Well, okay, so it's it's different for each thing. It's case by case for every situation. I feel like when you're talking about like film and TV and things where you're presenting with your body and your presence as the thing that you kind of have to do all that work beforehand and have made decisions and sort of set it in a way that's solid for yourself and makes sense and like is contained within the ecosystem of that character and like if he's talking to himself what's he talking to himself about what's his posture all that because all of that is visible when you're doing audiobooks or something like that it's uh or, or voiceover uh pajamas in I mean. in my you know i don't want to give away trade secrets <laughs> but yes a lot of us do work in our pajamas uh um but yeah you have a little more latitude and you might be doing more than just the one character that's you know contained in your body and your and like theater is also exceptional in that like you might have more range or you might be more allowed to play more characters in in that kind of space or well, like you Shakespeare. Do, you do a lot like of Shakespeare. So I have done. Well, I don't want to say I do a lot of Shakespeare. Well, I have trained in it. Here's like, here's the thing: static character. Like, let's pick a famous Shakespeare so character. Which play? We uh, I have done a lot. I did Romeo and Juliet probably the most. So let's let's do Tybalt. Or I, I played Tybalt. So let's I could I could stat him. Uh, and talk, could you also talk about like what motivates him and like uh, some of that stuff too? Oh, he's very, like, you know, it's interesting because this is one of those situations where like the alignment system in D and D would be very helpful in like understanding Tybalt. Where like I, he probably thinks of himself as maybe not lawful good, but neutral good, or maybe lawful good in his own head based on his own moral code. But this is a philosophical question we've come up against a lot when we talk about D&D. But he also breaks the laws of the land. So is he lawful good or is he just not good at all? Maybe he's just lawful neutral. I mean, he breaks the laws of the land. Is that evil in this land? I mean, that's I, I don't think it's master, evil right? from his no. motivation because mm. his motivation is this omerta, honor, protect the family, 
kind of thing and like it's the that's his code that's his code yeah. and it's like oh my and he doesn't want to kill mercutio it's an accident right it's like right, it's a, right. if you want a game mechanic that it's romeo rolling a one that kills <laughs> mercutio right <laughs> And you heard it here first, uh, folks. Romeo this is rolls do, a one. This is why we do <laughs> Bard Quest Empire, the game dedicated to Dungeons and Dragons and storytelling. Uh, uh, so we can make random connections about <laughs> plays that were written 500 That's years ago. That's very satisfying. Romeo system. rolls a one. That's our first t-shirt, I think. Oh, boy. <laughs> mm. Also, like, Romeo's got the murder hobo body count. Let's be real. He, like, seven bodies by this kid wow. at the end of the day when you think about it. Wow. Like, right? He's like Paris, uh, uh, him and Juliet, Tybalt and Mercutio. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Uh, his mother? Doesn't oh. his mother die of a broken heart? Well, again, you know, I don't, I don't do a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. <laughs> because I, 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 I have trouble following all the storylines sometimes, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure. He does put a lot of plot in there. It's a there's, really thick... That, you know, no, but I mean, like, it's almost the, like people thing, had longer attention spans back then. Or well, something. the thing I did know about Shakespeare when what? I play it is, <laughs> like, you you play it on the line, right? You, yeah, you, you tell you the don't. story. You just you speak the speech. I pray you. You say the words um, as you know, and there's not a lot of subtext, which in gaming there I, I can was be. trained in that. Uh, you know, a lot of times Shakespeare is performed as as a literary thing with like beautiful language, and I I don't really bite too much into that. I don't think it's as effective for a performance tool to have that. I think it, what works is a lot of these speeches are from a time when, and I don't want to get too historically no, this nerdy. No, is, this is world building. But, uh, I mean, Shakespeare yeah. was a world builder. You know? Yeah, and a lot of, and in that world, people thought about things as they were coming up with the solution. Like you, you, you spoke and thought at the same time. You didn't like have the thing prepared and say the thing that was scripted in your head. Right. You thought about it as it was happening. Why man, he doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus. And we uh-huh. petty men peep about to find dishonorable graves. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves that we are underlings. Oh, you know, right? Man. So he's thinking, of, he's coming up with it in that moment. So there's so passion it's, underneath it. So there's it's something like, motivating. Yeah, it's, Shakespeare wrote a lot of stuff about historical figures that, that everybody at the time kind of, because of classical rhetorical education, knew about. So it would be like if someone were to capture the conversation about like, like, was Tony Stark right or was Steve Rogers right in a uh-huh. nerd cafe, right? Uh-huh. Like, the, there, it's the same level of passion and engagement that you might see on like a a comments thread. <laughs> okay, all right. Just do me a favor. I know that we don't have the rights to talk. We can talk about Captain America and Tony Stark as much as we want. Okay. We are not affiliated, we are not with, Marvel affiliated with Marvel. Universe. Hello, Kevin Feige. Um, please hire me. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, how would you stat? Fan. How would you stat Captain America? And how would you stat Tony Stark? Captain America, I would make. Uh, this is where we What's get into alignment? lawful good or yeah, let's whether do it. or not. Yeah. You know, this is a contentious question. I think he's neutral good because he doesn't he's not constrained by the law but like somebody else might say that he's constrained by his own moral code which is a law to him but I think he's a paladin Steve Rogers I think he's a paladin too or like I think a, he maybe is. a justice or Well he's moved by something he's moved by something that that he feels is greater than himself the spirit yeah. which animates you know what, America. what we're supposed to be or, you know yeah right uh, and I think Tony Stark is an artificer definitely an artificer oh, wow. or yeah. maybe some kind of uh like a high intelligence yeah definitely artificer. high intelligent 
high intelligence artificer. You know, it, when we design campaigns as storytellers, like um, uh, one of the, the, you know, Phaedra and I met doing a play together. We met but, doing Aftermath, uh, your play about Iraqi refugees, where you did uh, interviews with civilians affected by the uh, Iran-Iraq war. Number two, by the way, which let's, let's well, be real. Sort of tangentially by the Iran-Iraq war, but it was more the invasion. Not the Iran-Iraq war, yeah. sorry. Uh, by the the second, by Gulf War Two, I meant to say, which is, you know, like all sequels, not as good as the original, guys, <laughs> let's be real. Uh, not as compelling a protagonist. There was no <laughs> Norman Schwarzkopf. There was no, what was that, mission accomplished in like after three months? Nowhere to go after yeah. that. Writers really jumped the shark on it that one, guys. Really <laughs> uh, Pedro just reminded us Oh, uh, I, I'm also Iraqi, so I can say this. <laughs> Woke police can back off. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, you know, reflect my pain through a prism of comedy. So, you know, this is therapeutic. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we met doing this, like, really incredible play where Phaedra was a translator, but... but in, in in the play who I played um, the translator who was the really if, if you're going to use plays as things uh, you want to talk about um, our town and the stage manager in our town is sort of a, the type of role that you were inhabiting right you could sort of set foot in both worlds and mm -hmm. and lead the audience through the story Phaedra is a great storyteller um, and and but in, in in the context of like world building Shakespeare really knew what he was doing and and in the, well he know, actually didn't do much he borrowed worlds that were already built right huh, man when you think about that well yeah you know a lot more about shakespeare than i illuminate me it well the idea that everybody knew about these guys or you know the, the stock characters that he was like romeo and juliet set in italy because he was borrowing from a lot of commedia commedia yeah 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 totally. and uh there's some stuff that's more personal like more sure. some scholars have argued that like you know 12th night the drowning of the twins that's you know reflective of a personal event in his life loss of his loss son? of his son yeah hamnet by yeah, the way right. which is maybe why he wrote hamlet uh -huh. and like i don't you know all this is my personal speculation but you know i did go to school uh, <laughs> well, anyway so he to say that like you don't have to reinvent the wheel when you're doing this you can use stuff that exists you can in borrow the world or borrow and repurpose and remix i think and i think you do a good job of doing that thank you you where you've uh we could talk about our game where you've you've been running this game for two years now right it's close to three i think eric uh jensen runs a wonderful campaign for us that he started as as like said what a good sport we were he was writing a D, &D play we were workshopping it and we thought well everybody should know how to do this and so we he ran this campaign for us that was supposed to be a research. Well, it actually, I can. I'm married to. A, I collaborate with a woman named Jessica Blank, who's a force of nature. And collaborate. She's amazing. That's what the she's kids are important. calling it these days. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I want the. No. You want the, Is that trombone? I want the dragon roar. Oh, I don't know if we've set it up. We gotta, we, you know, do it again. Anyway, so um, you know, you I'm sleeping with my co-writer. Yes, yeah. collaborate is. French for yeah. And this, they were working on a play that has a Dungeons, a Dungeons and Dragons type game in it, and but she said, you know, this is bullshit, Eric. You know, I really need to learn how to play the game if mm -hmm. you want to. And I was like, I'm very shy, and uh, I was like, okay, I'll I'll let you into my world, but don't 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 think too poorly of me. <laughs> 
but what was the big surprise after this? Isn't like the isn't big she surprise super was she now? created a character named Margaret Battlehammer, and three years later they are is, at seventeenth uh, yeah, level and right. approaching approaching. They're in the city of spiders, the city of Lolth. Yeah. Right now, Menzo Baranzan. Menzo Baranzan. Well, see, because when Menzo <laughs> Baranzan, would I? You have to put the emphasis on the other. No, I don't want to. My Menzo Baranzan is very different from your Menzo Baranzan. Menzo Baranzan. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I didn't have the internet, so we used to mispronounce things. We didn't I have the things, internet. I said rations. Did you say rations? No, but I Sworn? was an ESL kid, so I was rations. trying to figure out, you know, the whole thing. Rations. Yeah, I said rations and and uh, dro dro, not drow. Yeah, you you created this lab for us to sort of figure out you to fit for your co-writer and wife Jessica to figure out what D and D was mechanically, but we also kind of came up with this game that is still alive today and it's still going and, uh, and it's populated by it's populated by uh, Jess Eric's wife myself and uh, some other folks who. We, they're showrunners. They're they're actors, dramaturgs. They're actors. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, everybody's involved in storytelling in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, and we found it to be a pretty cool game, pretty good game, pretty yeah. badass. It started uh, off in Waterdeep. You guys mm-hmm. you guys run the run the city now, and you're trying to save the city from an oncoming asteroid. You know, the thing about storytelling and, like, structure that you can use is as your characters level up, you know, they basically become, like, you know, superheroes. They become, like, the Avengers. So you want to... Again, the no affiliation with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but well, Kevin Feige you know, gave my But storytelling-wise, as you, as you go along, you want to give them you want to give them stuff that's commensurate with the new all the powers they've, they've you know, right. got going, you know? So, um, yeah. How has D&D affected you as a writer and sort of, as you said, you're a world builder already from that? How does that translate to writing? And... I don't know if you can make a two-parter. You're very well known for your documentary-style theater. So how do, how does that square this idea that you're doing sort of theater from real life, and but you're also doing these stories that have monsters and trolls and elves and swords and sorcery? Well, I mean, I think there I think there are beholders amongst us human beings. I think I think that the series of character traits that we respond to when we you know, and there are there are paladins amongst us and knights amongst us and 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 rogues amongst us. You Dr. Know? Fauci is definitely a cleric. I'm <laughs> saying a life cleric. A life cleric, maybe uh, we're gonna some st- lore. We're gonna we're stat gonna... Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci next. <laughs> next episode, we're gonna come back with some with some Fauci stats. Um, but you know, like like so so um, so yeah. I mean, like in terms of storytelling, like you know, I want to create something that's compelling for you guys. So when 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 it, the way it intersects with collecting interviews from people is. Collecting interviews from people has opened my heart to not only the problems of the world, but the, the love and the hope that exists there. And I would be remiss in my job as a storyteller if I didn't try to put that kind of heart into a game that I was having people play. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think it's really, I just think the onus is on me as a dungeon master to give you guys a compelling evening that you're emotionally invested in. And then everybody's got their own style of playing. Like some people want to do a lot of combat. Some people want to do a lot of role play. And, and you just roll with, some people want to describe in detail what they do. You just roll with what everybody's playing style is. You just lean into the yes. And how does being you a know, writer help that or inform that for you? Or how does, yeah, well, do well, you plot out your encounter? Do you plot out like five things that may or ha- may not happen? Or do you just go off the cuff improvisation? I've got, I've got five things as the showrunner of Dungeons and Dragons that I know that, 
are going to take place in this world, regardless of what the player characters do. But oh, okay. the rest of it is like a writer's room. Like I consider it a collaboration amongst me and my fellow storytellers. It's the most pure form of communal storytelling, next to going to Grateful Dead concerts. That I'm that I've that I've experienced. Yeah, that, that, no, that. I'm just talking about me personally. Like I've I've experienced communal storytelling in that aspect of them as bards, like washing a story down upon me and me being a part of that. Right. And then and then communally, when you're creating something together, it's a lot like playing music together. I don't know. Have you been to Sesame Street on Ice? <laughs> that's something. That's what, who's the hero on Sesame Truly Street? Who's Hero's Journey? Big Elmo. Bird. Big Bird. Is it Elmo? Is Elmo on the journey? Is he always the one who's encountering obstacles? How did obstacles? you get in here, you floppy <laughs> red fleep? Hey, be nice to Elmo. <laughs> Elmo, what's your... What's, Elmo I don't know if we can get away with this. We I can't. do backstop. <laughs> we can't do it, can we? Oh, well. Oh, damn. It was fun. Oh, that was fun while it lasted. I tried. We can stat <laughs> Elmo. We just can't... We, you're just too good an actor. We can't do Elmo because <laughs> that will set the internet on fire. <laughs> Don't we want that? All right, never mind. Yeah. You know, it's there's so many things I want to talk about. Okay, so how does how does you? Uh, I've learned as a dungeon master that you are an incredible becomer of character. You really invest in the character, and you often like have a a, a voice and a point of view, and you really like relentlessly play that point of view and that character in such a way that it really like engages the other players and all of a sudden you guys are role playing together. I think that's your superpower as a player. Like, you know, how did you learn how to do that? Like, how did you like, wh what was the voices thing? Like, where did that come from? Did it come from D and D originally? Like, I don't do know think, if it or? came from D and D or from maybe a few good DMS that I've had that really exemplified that, that characterization thing that I was like really hooked in by, or if it's that I'm a voice actor that, that or I feel like now that's my an identifier from I'm an actor, pure and simple. Right. But I feel like I do a lot of voice now, so that maybe that comes through that prism. Um, but I do kind of tend to find, or at least with this character that we're talking about, and I play a character, a halfling rogue called Merrick Fingers. And uh, I don't know, Eric. What, let me let me ask you as a to tie this. What kind of player am I in your game? What is that in yeah. my game? Well, you're you're. I, I completely lean into the role playing with you. Like, I just, I count on you to bring the role playing to the game. So it's just like, I mean, like sort of when you're like kind of semi managing a party, mm -hmm. like you, you do things at a party that you do at a Dungeons and Dragons game. You get two people talking to each other. You introduce people, you uh, present a scenario, you know, maybe it's the birthday cake coming out or maybe it's the, you know, the, uh, the announcement of some project you're working on, but it's, it's the same as life, you know? Like a good party in a good Dungeons and Dragons game should feel that way. I am not a top-down Dungeons and Dragons guy. Right. Like whatever the party brings, I I, I play with that. I roll so, off of that. Let me tell you from my perspective, when I play in our game, I am also always kind of think not about how do I... I lean into have heavily into my alignment. Yes. And I, you know, for me, Chaotic Good uh, is... Uh, is, is, is the character that I'm playing right now. So I'm always trying to like think about what the party's doing through that lens and what I'm doing through that lens. Does that make sense for me to be doing it or for that character to be doing it uh, in that way in that moment? And often that means I'm an agent of chaos in your games. Right, right. And it means I'm like fucking shit up yeah well and and doing things that are unexpected which like yeah. keeps me and my toes as a dungeon master but like i'm not 
I like like the last thing I'm ever going to do is shoot that down because yeah. like I, that's the last thing you want to do with something like that. Again, there's a lot about improvisation and sort of leaning into the yes that I go with. You know, it's that that old joke about you know uh, you see a warehouse. And one of the players goes, wait. Wait, a werewolf house? A house that turns into a person? <laughs> it is now. now. It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <right>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of that in the game, which I love. And like you guys totally embrace that, just each with your own different styles. So, you know, it's like being a showrunner, I think. So, and that helps me as a writer. It keeps me on my toes. It lets me, lets me throw things out or keep things depending on Because it's disruptive like, to your plan, right? But it like makes you adjust y- to that disruption, Yeah, totally. Right? That's like, that's just like, you know, that's just that like coming up with it. a good story in a room or like running a set. Like there's going to be like obstacles and problems and stuff like that. And half the art of storytelling is finding out amazing creative solutions with a group of people. Like we do more things with groups of people than we care to admit. And I mm-hmm. think if the pandemic brought anything out in people, it was that. Like we have, we have more contact with humanity than I think any of us realized. And so, yeah, especially in infectious ones. Jesus, you vectors wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my heart. I say it with love. Yeah. Dr. Fauci's casting a cure spell. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to stat Dr. Fauci next episode. I think Um, we should make a character sheet for him. Right. And you know, I don't know if I've answered the question about, you know, how I integrate acting into the character or vice versa but for example i don't like take a character that i'm playing in a play or in a show and i give them dd stats that's not no you don't do that right but i but i might um if i'm playing a dd character i'll let the stats inform maybe something that i'm doing vocally or in the room or whatever low wisdom i guess i'm doing some stupid shit tonight yeah (laughs) yeah right exactly well that goes to motivation which is something we talk about as actors a lot right you know you know what your character motivate character's motivation is what you want is the is the is the object of at least our portion of a scene you know that that has to be under consideration you know Um, and i don't really know how i came up with the voice for fingers from eric but uh he's kind of in this place i don't know he's kind of a cockney he's, slang he's, he's kind of like a hey everybody a, remember to loot the bodies jason uh jason's is it jason strutheran who's the who's the guy who's like got a who's the action star who's like jason what, statham what, statham yeah 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 jason was Statham. that is that who it no, reminds you of that's I'm amazing quite. i'm gonna be jason statham no now that's from different now <laughs> <laughs> okay phaedra i don't want to put you on the spot but could you like do like some like Shakespeare thing or some monologue, you know, or something and trans translate? You want to see the stupid human the, trick with the voices. I want you to you see you do the 10 you voices wanna, in wanna, a row thing. You want to see the yeah, stupid I human. Totally yeah, I totally do. I totally do. I totally do. It's There's amazing. a way to ask that question. Well, you're a big fan of Robin Williams. Robin Williams used to do this. We both we both had connections to Robin Williams in a way. So oh, like you Robin know. Williams, yes. <laughs> I feel disrespectful because I knew him. But that is what he did. Okay. Uh, how do we? How do you differentiate between characters in audiobook? You're like you're not world building in that situation. You're you're interpreting, and you've got to do like eight characters. You're or character nine or building, 10. and so you're building. You're you're responding to the world that's built, right? The world, the information about the world is given to you. This person has an accent. This person is a, a woman. This person's this old. This person's this young. And for me, I do a when I'm doing my first pass when I'm doing my read of something. I'll take note of, okay, 
this person has an accent, but he's older, so he's going to be in this place. But this person has an, an accent, but is also same accent, same family. But you know, maybe he's uh, in his middle age, so he's thinking about maybe his gravel. Maybe huh. you're going to hear him as a young man, so you're going to do the same voice, but you're going to do it a little different. And then, if you want to do the child version, that's over here, and maybe he's got the accent still, but he's still got a little like light arcade, or maybe this is his son or his nephew or something like that, uh -huh. right? And that's just one. Right, so I've given, I've sort of shaped it with accent, but then there's all these other things that sort of then place it in the body or differentiate the voices from each other. And but you're also telling a story. Yeah, and you're also putting all the information about that as much as possible in plain view. Uh -huh. So, uh, you know, it's a little trickier with something like, I guess if you're doing something like uh, demonstrating a character's intelligence, you might do something like this, uh -huh. just talk a little slower. Uh huh. Uh -huh. The back of the. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> oh man! It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, when I was doing t Walking Dead, I got to I got to go to a few conventions, and they were just really kind of actually wonderful. You got to meet so many cool people. But I met I met this guy Ross Marquand, who's on The Walking Dead, and he's an impressionist. Mm -hmm. and oh wait, I think I've seen this. I've seen his uh, thirty. 10 impressions in 30 seconds or whatever. Yeah, he's amazing. Like, you and him, you just inhabit this, like, rarefied world where you can, like, just, like slip in and out of characters. Oh, and... he's way better than me. I have no idea how that guy does it. He does yeah. micro-impressions, which are, like, you got to be able to, like, you know, get the essence of whoever it is immediately. Can you do... Do you, do you have do you have a... Do you have a Matthew McConaughey? I'm just curious, because there's nothing wrong with... I mean, do if I we have a off... Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> Motherfucker, I was in Austin for three goddamn years. I heard stories of Matthew McConaughey being, you know, where playing as bongos naked what, on Lake what, Travis. What, what, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your, what's your, Matt, Matthew McConaughey, would you, would you give us your Dungeons and Dragons stats, please? Oh, definitely maxed on charisma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I played D and D before it was cool to play D and D. Remember when he did that thing with the Lexus? All right, all, all right, right, all right. I drove a Lexus before it was cool to drive a Lexus. I don't remember <laughs> exactly how that went, but yeah, uh, is he running for the governor of I Texas? Think he's run is for that going to yeah. happen? Because not yeah. to veer off Dungeons and Dragons. Too yeah, much, well, I that's... mean, there's stuff happening. That's for sure. Well, when you're DMing, um, how do you manage? A big party because we have like uh, how many people? Sometimes at oftentimes seven. Yeah, maybe more. Well, our game, our game is, um, it's cool. It gave me an opportunity to be an artist again, uh, which is something that I grew up doing. But um, and I started off as a cartoonist in New York City. I worked for High Times Magazine, and but all my aunts and uncles were were uh, artists and sculptors, and um, and so I got to sculpt again. And so I've made terrains for you guys, and that's not only to like get some oohs and ahs from you guys and give you guys a world you can fully imagine. It's also it, it lets me keep the story straight in my head. Like the set, the trains that I, that I sculpt for you guys, let me, allow me to keep the story in my head so I can see it all happening in front of me. So I don't have to like do pencil and paper and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It helps me as a storyteller to, to use that methodology. Now, so 
uh, Eric is a human 3D printer for y'all that don't know. <laughs> he's, he's can basically constructed all these terrains and he's got like a whole grab bag of stuff. So if you can't, if you're a DM that doesn't do that, what would you, you've also done stuff where we haven't had access to it. Yeah, I mean, like, but I mean, like I came up doing this game, pencil paper on a pad <laughs> of paper. Like, I mean, I was talking to one of the guests that we have coming up was talking about like doing it without dice, just like doing it like, you know, a sort yeah, of yeah, improv, yeah, yeah. you know, just sort of like telling someone what they yeah, want to do and yeah. the DM just deciding what it what it Yeah, no, it and like not. I don't use like a, any platform when we play online. I just use regular uh, cuz it's it's very when I when I'm playing online with with the Skullbusters with our group, it's very theater of the mind. Right. For me and when but when we're playing in let's, a room uh, let's it's explain more, what that is for people who don't know. Okay, well theater of the mind is like sort of like when you listen to a radio play or you listen to an audio book, you know, the 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 thing that you're listening Or listen, when you read a book. Or if when you, you think about book, it really when you're reading a book, you're looking at a dead piece of wood and hallucinating for a yeah, few hours. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't unpack that too much. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean it's it's <laughs> so so I think very much in that way. When we're playing live it's more collaborative and and you know, then I let the group really drive things. What has there been a? I've got something. Has there been a D and D thing this week that you want to talk about? I've got something. Uh, you've got something to talk about. No, I, yeah, th- no, only only that I'm about to. I just did the pre interview interview for, mm-hmm. and I'm about to do an interview for uh, Dragon Talk. Um, and likely, and I'm very this, nervous. This episode will come out before your Dragon Talk interview yeah. will be out. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But fans or future fans, hopefully. Uh-huh. Uh huh enemies if you want to listen spite listen we don't care <laughs> uh, uh if you if you tune in to this our premiere episode you will get a sense of what we are and if you tune into dragon talk do you have a date for that you want to plug it? i i don't I, I don't have a date yet late november and they're they're real that's when it's going to air and they're really super cool late and november eric's yeah. going to do some cool conversing on dragon talk another D podcast and um yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear what. What uh, do you know? What you've already done the interview. Can no, you... I'm about to. I'm about to on Monday. Yeah, that's. Cool. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of like, you know, one of the one of the the side benefits of being on two great uh, uh, world builded shows, mm-hmm. uh, 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 both Mr. Robot and Walking Dead, is sometimes you get asked to do really cool stuff, and that's the that that part of it has been the best. Like getting to do really cool stuff, just occasionally, just a couple times a year, because I'm not like you know, one of the main people on the show. Right. Like you're not on the con. No, they get hammered with requests all the time. They have like people like manage that for them. Like I, but, but I get asked to do some cool stuff and, and being on the show is, is dragon talk. I'm, I've been listening to a lot. It's really great show. And are they going to interview you as a creative or as a D and D player or both? I think, I think both. I mean, I, I mean, I talk to them a little bit. I definitely want to talk about my terrains. So like whatever, you know, um, it's on a pod, it's on a, on, unlike ours, we're voice, uh, voice only, it's on a, on a screen. So um, they can see the, the statues and stuff. So I want to show some of those to them because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really excited about that. Honestly, you start putting that stuff up on eBay, it'll get bid up and <laughs> snatched up in a second. Dude, at uh, points during the pandemic, I was like, maybe I should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, you know how to do it. You could probably like churn it out if you want. Yeah, anyway, I could. Yeah. I got to play. What's your in thing? What's your thing? I played in a different game this week, and I hope you're not mad that I cheated I, on you. I feel a little, a little as, hurt. As no, no. I, I'm so excited. I'm, what's what's I'm, it like? I'm a poly D and D player. What's I guess. your What's your character? What are you playing? <laughs> What's your? I'm messing around. I like playing concepts, so I I've been plus playing along, along with playing a, around with this idea of a stand-up comedy bard, actually. And oh, I that's wanted great. To, uh, sort of uh, see see what I can do with that, or see if I can make him kind of a jokester or a jester. 
and see if that can exist in the D and D world. Awesome. And how annoying I can be before the, all the other players hate me. Are you? Are do? You, are uh, yes. Are you? Are you a Lenny Bruce style stand up comedy bard, or are oh, you more of a more of a Mel Brooks style stand up comedy think bard? I he's more of a more... Groucho Marx stand up comedy <laughs> bard. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, so so so, and what? And you're playing on a platform though. Which is different than how we play. Like, what what's the platform that you're playing? Oh, on? Uh, we, yeah, about? I got to experience this uh, first time last week, which was pretty cool. It was the Forge, and it's at theforge-vtt.com. It's a virtual tabletop, I believe, and it has all kinds of uh, effects, like weather effects, and uh, your DM can sort of set a stop rest for the night. It can, you know, decide has all the maps can place your characters, set up encounters. It's a very cool way to play if you're still playing remotely. And I think a lot of us are still engaging with the game that way, right? Yeah, mostly. I mean, we have we're all we're all vaccinated um, here, so like uh, in-house games are are, are 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 sort of back for us, you know, at least for now. Um, mm-hmm. I hope it I hope that stays the way cuz I love seeing all you guys so much. But you also cheated on our game this week. Yeah, I played with our producer Zach. Yeah. Uh, Ugh. Zach has a how game. How dare you? For how dare you yeah, be mad at me I know. when you do the no, same I'm thing? Not, I'm not. <laughs> I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> no, I, Zach and I, Zach and I, Zach and I have a, a really. It started off as a art, art making relationship together, but like you know, we have good chemistry, and and I got. To... <laughs> you walk into that one. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a wizard. He's got a like sort of a wizard's lab, you know, that, that he, he is, that yeah. he does uh, that he does stuff. At, you know, see, I, he's a sound effect. Just setting me up. So Zach is Zach is definitely. I, I think if I was gonna class him, I would class him as wizard. I don't know how you class himself, but um, yeah. So so Zach Zach ran our D and D game, and it was really fun. I got to play on Roll Twenty for the first time. Um, and that's similar, right? It's a platform. It's online. Yeah, online it's a platform. platform. It's online. Um, I've played with a group called uh, Severed Sons, who have a, a podcasted D and D game. Uh, that's that's uh, re- an actual play Severed podcast. Sons with an O or Severed Sons S O N S. S O N S. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, we'll we'll link to them on our on our thing tonight. Um, but yeah, and, and it's uh, like, I've ventured into it a little bit. I, I don't know if I want to go live on camera right now because D and D has always been a very private thing. For yeah. Me, so actually it's interesting. The guy that I was playing, the other game that I'm playing with is broadcast on Twitch. I believe it's called tales from the ghost light. I believe is the title. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you get to see Phaedra do his thing on, on, uh, on tales from the ghost light. Um, yeah, so I mean, but different DMs have different styles. Like one of our guests coming up is a guy named Mike Daisy, and Mike Daisy is very much a storyteller, mm-hmm. uh, monologist even. Mon- monologist, of, uh, he's in a, the vein of Mark Twain, and Spalding Gray, Spalding and Gray. And people like that. Yeah, so you know, he's got a he's got a style of DMing that you like, you know. But like, there's all sorts of different kind of storytellers, just the way there are different kinds of musicians, and we're going to interview some of those people on Barquest Empire. So yeah, thanks thanks for joining us for for this episode, guys. Uh, if you were a fan of this episode, uh, you're gonna love all the other stuff we got lined up for you today. We were just talking to each other, so you got to know us and know what we're about and know what the show's about, and we're gonna be how we're gonna be talking D and D and storytelling. But we're gonna have some exciting guests coming up. Eric, you wanna tell them about some of them? I do. Uh, the I think uh, one of our uh, first episodes is gonna be a gentleman named Joel Marsh Garland, mm-hmm. um, who you know from Orange Is the New Black. Um, we've got uh, a Mike uh, Daisy, Mike Daisy, who's a monologist. We've yeah, got uh, yeah. we've got Jesse Alec, who's a dramaturg and a great storyteller. And now and, an art. 
artistic director, if I'm wrong, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, right? yes, of the Vineyard here in New York. So, and he works with all sorts of storytellers. So he's going to have an interesting perspective. He also plays D and D. Right. And and I can't say I can't say who just yet. Um, but we do have a major creative on The Walking Dead who's going to come in and talk to us, and you're going to be very interested in what they have to say. That's going to be a lot of fun. We can really talk, dig deep into world building and all that. I want to make a shout out to our local Dungeons and Dragons shop, the yep. Twenty Sided Store. Yep, yep, yep. Very important. You shop local. Keep the businesses you care about open in this difficult time. Yeah, and they're great. They do. They do. Uh, you know, they do uh, game gatherings for people, and and they do classes and stuff like that. And they have great D and D stuff there. They so. do classes. You get all your materials there. You get all your figures there. You can find a game there. Uh, I'm sure local game stores in in your neighborhood also uh, fulfill this function so make sure to patronize them support them yeah absolutely um and you know that's all we have for today uh we're really excited to have you here uh thank you for your interest and your time i'm Phaedra casey and i'm eric jensen thank you this episode's most D song ever is immigrant song by the great led zeppelin you can check that out on our Spotify playlist. And you can find us on Instagram at bardquest underscore empire. And on Twitter at bardquest-e. Bardquest Empire is produced by Bang and Tara Bang and Zach Murphy. Executive produced by Jessica Blank. Theme song by Tasha Blank. Sound effects provided by Darren West. I'm Eric Jensen. I'm Fager L. Casey. Thank you for joining us at Bardquest Bard Empire. Empire.